what the heck are you doing showing up at the studio in a tuxedo? Well, you told me this was Dynasty Week. I love that show, Dynasty. Oh, it was my favorite. John Forsythe and all those women, and beautiful women. I was hoping he'd bring Monica Colby with him. She's a peach, I tell you, a peach. No, no, not Dynasty, the TV series. Dynamic, nostalgic Dave Dynasty, the wrestling impresario. Wrestling? I didn't see any wrestling on Dynasty. Well, you wouldn't, because it's... Uh, when was the drama? Uh, speaking of drama, will you please just make the introduction? Ah. It's the Outdated Wrestling Hour! Does anybody remember the sequel to Dynasty called The Colbys? It's kind of cheesy. Rimshot. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name's Bob Smith. Hopefully you know it by now, and hopefully you're a fan of the Outdated Wrestling Hour. Thank you for listening once again. And speaking of Dynasty, this is a show I've been waiting to do for a long time. We, we had a little bit of stop-starts trying to hook up. But Dave Dynasty is a guy I greatly admire for the work he's done on YouTube. He's been a wrestler, a manager a promoter. He's not at all in the world of wrestling, and I, I want to find out more about what he's up to right now. And on top of all that, I want to find out more about him and thank him profusely for expanding my wrestling knowledge. As I'm saying these words, I haven't recorded the interview yet. We're going to do it right now. So please welcome the nostalgic Dave Dynasty. As I said in the introduction, I've been looking forward to having this gentleman on this podcast since I started it, because this fellow has provided me with a wealth of information, and he had no way of knowing that, but even as an old magazine writer, I had never seen Dick the Bruiser and Bruiser Bedlam, and he posted it on YouTube, and there's so many episodes there, and he's posted so many other things, too. He has been a wrestler. He has been a manager. He has been a promoter. He is now an impresario who has a a really good podcast called uh, it's wrestling nostalgia, right? Just that simple. Yep. yep that's love it. the title. It says it all right there. <laughs> I love it. I yep. had to come up with this corny title, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am thrilled to have nostalgic dynamic Dave dynasty on the program. Hi man. Yeah. Nice hey. to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. You too. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my, it's my indeed pleasure. And I want to thank you again. This has nothing to do with anything, but, um, even in my years with PWI, we would touch bruisers, Jerry Graham's Federation with tweezers. You know, we didn't we didn't cover them a whole lot. I don't know if it's just that they felt that the market was too small or they couldn't get any play from it. From you know, I know they did some stuff on Mojo when he first started out, things like that. But I, after that, I don't recall anything. And in the years I was there, I know they were still running. I don't recall writing a word about them, but we did have them in the ratings. I think in PWI periodically. Anyway, I never got to see the stuff. I was a tape collector and trader throughout my years at the magazine between 88 and 94, 95. And I, I would watch everything, but I never saw WWA, even the old stuff. Yeah. 
thanks to you, I get to see <laughs> the Blackjacks with Bobby Heenan and the Sheik and Sailor Art Thomas and Dominic DiNucci into the middle 80s, unbelievably creative work of Dr. Jerry Graham in salvaging what was left of the WWE and Dick the Bruiser's Bruiser Bedlam. Those shows were hot. Do you agree that in the mid 80s, he kind of did his best to revive that whole I, area? I definitely do. There was a... I'm biased, but uh, uh, there was a period there in the 80s where, man, the WWE was rough. And um, yes, but one of the bright spots was always Jerry Graham Jr., Wojo. There was a few guys. There was a, you know, a handful of guys that uh, but Bruiser never really kind of gave them the ball and let them run with it, per se. And, uh, you know, he stuck in and I'm, and I'm not besmirching any of these guys. Right. But he stuck with the Bobo Brazils and the Wilbur Snyders and the well, not Wilbur, but the Moose Cholock and guys like that. And um, oh God, yeah. Yeah, and you know they were still attractions. People would still go see them, but they were they were they were aged, and it wasn't the same, right? And wrestling was evolving. Excuse me, and, not, and wrestling was changing, and and Bruiser didn't really keep up with it real well. <laughs> and um, when he got to the point where he he kind of wanted to back off, pretty much at the pressing of his wife, right? His wife was never really a fan of the business and and, and the wrestling. Um, and he kind of you know handed off the reins to the Dr. Dre Graham Jr. and let him kind of take the take over. Um, yeah, it was a different product, right? It was reshaped. They moved, you know, to, well, first to Detroit, then to Toledo and, and, and taping. And, uh, and it was different. It had a different feel. It, it had different, uh, you know, you didn't see the aging veterans as much. Um, you started seeing a lot of young guys and, um, and man, and I will, I will forever toot the horn to Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. I will yeah, think he too. is, yeah, he's, he's one of the most unheralded talents in wrestling. Uh, he's oh, a great mind. Uh, th- that period in the show where they were doing studio wraparounds around uh, wherever they were taping, the premiere center, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It got really good. Yeah. And the second best heel turn I saw in the 80s was after Larry Zabisco mm-hmm. was Chris Carter. Yeah, definitely. He became a different human being. I mean, it was fantastic. <laughs> it, he was really good as a it, heel. Yeah. And it's it's wild because it's like a lot of these names that I grew up on, men that were heroes of my child. Nope. Most people don't know. I mean, a lot of people don't know who Chris Carter is, and they should, because Chris Carter was—he's talented. He mm-hmm. was really, really talented, and um, you know, he was—you know—he was a pretty good at the you know the white meat baby face, the all American kind of guy. He did that for a while, but yeah, you're right. When he turned, did the heel turn, uh, it was it was next level, and he started doing the international <laughs> freedom fighters and, and everything. It was it, it was different. It was next level stuff, and um, he, he teamed yeah. with a guy named Muhammad Saad, which pissed the fans off royally. Yeah, they kept yeah, I mean, traitor, traitor at him, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he for, for several years had been you know all American Chris Carter and you know the American hero kind of guy and brought the American flag out and and plus you know part of it was he he did it turning on you know Jerry Graham Jr. while he was legitimately hurt from a car wreck you know he was and then uh, it was just there was a lot of heat there and then Jerry Graham Jr. I'm mean, like I said he was great he was a great talker unbelievable uh, talker yeah. yeah great mind um and the thing is that's him. I've known Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. for several years. I've I've interviewed him countless times, had him on my podcast countless times. That's him. He's highly intelligent. Uh, he's very quick-witted. And, and uh, I mean, I'm biased again, but I put him top five in talkers in, in wrestling. I, he's great. I'm right there with you. And that's why I want people, and it's a shame that nobody can profit from this, but I want people to discover him and those tapes that you put on YouTube. Yeah. Because I am telling you, he is the great talent who is completely unheralded, totally unheralded. And I want that to change because this is the outdated wrestling hour. I'm here yeah. to bring to 
to people's uh, knowledge base, stuff that they might not know about the old times when you and I were growing up and later yeah. than that when we got involved yeah. with it. Um, there's some great stuff out there to be unearthed and you've done that. And I yeah. really appreciate it. So I want to thank you because it's so good. I mean, it's not kind of good or sort of good. It's really good. That middle eighties revival, what I call of the WWA or the Bruiser Bedlam era at that point. Cause yeah. when they started Bruiser Bedlam, it wasn't that great. No, 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 it wasn't. And, and again, that was kind of a product. That was, that was what we had in Indianapolis in the, in the early eighties. I mean, I mean, you know, Bruiser was using copycat wrestlers. I mean, and not even just <laughs> slightly. Oh my I mean, God. He, he was using Jerry, a Jerry Lawler. A, a Jerry Lawler. He was using a Sergeant Slaughter kind of guy. He was really. Yeah, he oh. was. I mean, it was. He wasn't even trying to to hide it. I mean, the Jerry Lawler. He was billing him as the Southern Champion from Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, he was, I was not talking as Terry Sullivan about it. I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe they were doing this. Yeah, I, and, I, and by all accounts, I mean. When the horribly awful David McLean said, we have Jerry Lowell, the Southern champion, I said, wow, I didn't know he traveled to that territory. And they, nah. they were kind of showing him. They never really showed him in close-up. Did you notice? Mm-hmm. Nope, they kind yep. of had a, a pan of the ring when he would wrestle. And yeah. the guy looked kind of like, I don't know who he was. Yeah, he What was, a blatant ripple. My God, that's terrible. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, you know, that's, that's what Bruiser was doing, right? Bruiser was doing whatever he could to try to sell a ticket. And, uh, but he was riding on the fact that he was still, you know, he was still a draw, right? Everybody in Indiana knows Dick the Bruiser, has a Dick the Bruiser story. They would still come to see him even at that age. And, um, he was, you know, and I, and I'm not, I'm sure there was some heat with Jerry Lawler, the, the Jerry Lawler, because, you know, Bruiser went to Memphis a few times and it was not, it was difficult. Bruiser was difficult to work with a lot of times. And, um, but that's what we had in the early to mid eighties there. It was, you know, and you, again, no disrespect to Bobo Brazil and, and Bruce Charles. I, I love those guys. I have a lot of respect for those guys, oh, but they too. were, they shouldn't have been in the ring at that part, you know, or at least oh, not no. to mean, that level. Watching Moose Sherlock in those eighties tapes is painful. It is. The poor man could barely get into the ring. Terry Sullivan was telling me, it's like the guy traveled all the way from Chicago for these spots. I mean, yeah. and he, Terry reason he couldn't have been making any money doing it either. He just loved nah. to do it. And they and let it, him as long as he would show up, and he was over. That's the weird part about it. It is, yeah. And but the but the thing is, it was, I think it did more harm than good to his legacy, right? Because Moose Cholock in his prime was great. Oh, he was unbelievable. He was, yeah. yeah. And but nowadays, that's all the tape we have is is that mostly is that eighty stuff. Right. So that's how and people that's, remember him. And that's what bugs me about Baron Mikel Cicluna here in the East, mm. because Cicluna was a legitimate main eventer from about nineteen sixty five to about seventy three. Trouble mm-hmm. is he hung out until 84 and they, he used to do prelims in the last basically decade of his career. He was yep. way better and way more of a draw than people ever gave him credit for. They yep. put him in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He, he wasn't a bum. You know, he wasn't yep. a jobber. I hate it when they call guys jobbers who weren't, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's, you know, and it's, it's what we, I mean, we, you know, there, like I said, there was a few bright spots, right? We had Spike Huber and Steve Regal in the mm-hmm. early 80s who were great. The Young Lions, I, they were, they were great. But, you know, there was only so far that Bruiser would use some of those guys, right? I mean, and I know, I understand the territory days, you had to use who you could trust and and and, that, and what it was. But, I mean, Bruiser had this kind of trouble. I mean, he tried working with Jerry Jarrett in 82. And uh, <laughs> oh, he, he, did, yeah, he didn't go along with the agreements with him and Jarrett, and that, that fell through. And uh, so Bruiser was doing what he could to hang on. And um, But Jerry Graham Jr. had a different, he had a completely different vision on it. And uh, when he, you know, he got some sponsors and some funding and moved their base of operations and did his thing, it was, it was a new product and it evolved and it was, it was great. I mean, you know, he started 
they trained to start as Scott Rex Steiner, which was Scott Steiner, right. and they knew what they knew what they had. Right. I mean, right they put the, the word go. I, yeah, I, they I put the belt on him. It, and I found that out. That was his first match, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. They put the belt on or him. At least the first TV match anyway. Yeah. TV match. And um, so they knew, right. They, you, anybody could see this guy and know what he had. And oh, uh, especially yeah. at that area. So not to mention, you know, he had a brother who was out there and, and I mean, they, so they knew, right. So they, they were, they ran with it. The and, only um, weak thing about Scott at that point is he was weak on the mic, but he, he was, was just starting weak. out. You know, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, just starting he, out. So you know what? We had Bob Backlund in the East who used to stutter and stammer, and you know, people loved him anyway. So yeah, what difference did it make? He was great. Yeah. It's a yeah. I mean, it's funny to see because he was very timid. It's complete opposite of what he became no later kidding. when he when he got his confidence and experience. <laughs> yeah. You it was know that's the opposite. same person. You're right. No. It's, it's like incredible. Yeah, but even but even at that, I mean, you knew he stood out, right? He was special, and he was oh, doing. Yeah. You know, four fifties off the top rope and and hurricane. I mean, he was doing all that, some of that stuff, and you know, it, it, that was it. Completely jumped out. Well, his, and uh, I, th- I think the original Frankensteiner was done from a standing position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, before he decided to take it up and not go off the ropes. Yeah, but I, I, I see him doing a maneuver, and they couldn't even describe it. You know, Terry Sullivan, who I, who I love, by the way. That's yeah, he's a smart hire on on Dick the Bruiser's part too. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I, yeah. I always considered him. I used to call him the kid because I first saw him on the Sheik, and he was just a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> he was almost like Gordon Soley, and when all whole hell was breaking loose in the ring, he'd keep his calm and describe yeah. what he saw. And he was really good at that. He's a really good wrestling announcer. He is, yeah. I mean, I mean he gave it that that legitimate feel, right? He called it right. more like a sport, and uh, and I like that. That's me. You know, and, and like I said, they would have Bruiser there a lot. He would give the color and um, give it a little flavor. Um but like I said, at this time they were pulling, they were pulling the highlights, right? The guys that that you like, that you know, the Elbersaros and and some of these guys that that were more modern in their approach. And he was using those guys, and and it, you know, and it was it was a totally different thing, and it was it was fun. But that that early period, it's like in between the McLean thing and the early um, Premier Center tapes with eight different hooded hangmen, and yeah, um, it was wild. Um, you know, they had Bracero and they had an aging Moose Sherlock where they were pushing as the main eventer and tag teams who really weren't all that great. You know, no. I, I won't mention any names, but they just, they were feeling their way. I think at that point, even though the show looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. But when they brought in that sponsor, that was a big deal for them. That beer uh, distributor guy. That yeah, was, yeah. That, really put a nice sheen on the show. I thought. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was Miller Lite. It was that local distributor for Miller Lite and it was, you know, Sam Botek is who it was. And, um, yeah, that's a big deal. That's some money back in you. And it's a you know given that production and and I mean there was a lot of good things come out. I mean they they did a, a thing with Leon Spinks later and with Wojo and Leon Spinks and right um, there was just a lot of factors. They they took some they, they just went in a different direction. I mean Wojo would do the ten thousand dollar challenge with people out of the crowd and which still and blows di- my mind. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean I can't ima- I can't imagine a state athletic commission would allow that to happen, but they did. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's wild. But uh, I mean, no one's going to get over on Wojo. I mean, Wojo was legitimate tough. Oh, I mean, he was. Yeah. 1980 Olympic qualifier and, and everything. I mean, he was, no one was going to get over on Wojo. No. And, uh, and, uh, if, if Wojo had the desire, I think he could have gone a lot farther, but he didn't, he wanted to stay close to home. He had a family and it, he did his thing. I, but Lo, we, great. Wojo is one of the, again, another talent that a lot of people don't know about. And he was great. He was I mean, really he was, good. he had, it, he had a legitimate, I don't know barroom brawler wharf look you know you know what i'm saying he he would just look tough and he was tough you could tell he was yeah and he didn't um and he was 
seemed legitimately mean. He he didn't even have to try. He just had that countenance about him. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, he, you know, we all know it's a work, but he looked like a mean guy. He really did. Yeah, I mean, well, he had the amateur background, right? I mean, he was, you know, an NCAA champion. He was a, you know, like I said, he qualified for the Olympic team in 1980, which you know we we boycotted, so he didn't get to compete. Right. But uh, you know, lots of stuff with the Pan Am Games, different things like that. He was, I mean, he was legit, and um, and he wasn't a talker though, right? He was quiet, but that's why ninety percent of the time he was paired paired with Jerry Graham Jr. Right. who did the talking for him is in a manager role. And it was, it, it worked. It was great. And, oh, um, Graham was a great manager and a great, he used to have a Roddy Piper like segment on the show. I cannot extol the virtues of Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. Enough. Me, yeah, me too. And, I mean, he got, uh, a, he got a cup of coffee in the WWF for one tapings. Oh yeah. Terry Sullivan was telling me about that. They told him to just go out there and don't do anything. Yeah. They gave him some weird name, mad dog, Markov or something. Man- I was Manigoff, a, I think. Manigoff. Oh, yeah, Manigoff. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and putting with John Studd and a couple other guys. I can't remember who else it was. A couple other guys. And and, just, and it's it's up on my channel. I have his WWE appearance, WWF appearances yeah. on my channel. Yeah, right. And um, they didn't really, they just didn't let him do much. And it didn't turn him loose. And uh, what a waste. But you know what? I don't understand why even uh, a WCW or any organization wouldn't want a guy like that. Yeah. Because he could help out behind the scenes too. He knows what he was doing. He's got it in his blood. He, you know, he, he had the legitimate foundation with the real Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. You know, so yeah, yeah. And people think that was a work. It wasn't. He he teamed with Dr. Jerry Graham Sr. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that day, as again, it's, it's a bad reputation, right? Because a lot of people were just taking the juniors and just taking the names. But there was there was a lineage there. I mean, he right. was legit tied to Jerry Graham. Um, worked with Jerry Graham, you know, and everything else. I mean, there's I, I, there's pictures out there. There was magazine articles done in. And some of the old, uh, uh, you know, the wrestling news and, and some of those things on the on the Grams, uh, you know, and right. uh, mm-hmm. when he was first starting, it's it's legit. You know, it was it was given to him by Dr. Jerry Graham. It, it's there's not photos, some photos of the two of them together. That's right. Yeah, it's you know, it, there's a lot of juniors out there who just you know kind of oh, take the name, and oh, it's always man. been the way. But Wait, Jerry's well, not I one of them. I don't even <laughs> ever heard of the promoter Mark Tendler here in. You know, in the yeah. island area, who would put out Bobby Piper on his cards <laughs> and Mitch yeah. Martell and Wild Samoans, and they weren't even remotely Samoan. And Very the Jack Magnif- Pepper. The Magnificent LaRocca. I mean, yeah. Mick Foley wrote about it in his book. I think he was a Samoan once. So it's like uh, yeah. he'd book anything in a high school gym. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wrestling's wild. <laughs> it is wild. Yeah. Jack to Jack Pepper. Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Just good, yeah. good gravy. Well, let's talk yeah. about you. I want to hype uh-huh. you because, uh, again, I'm indebted to your um, collection of fine videos that you've posted for <laughs> the world to see. And I want everybody to check them out on YouTube. Just look up Dave Dynasty. You'll find them there. Yeah, yeah. But I want to talk about your podcast. I want to talk about um, what you've been up to lately. Just tell me what's going on. Um, well, I mean, I've, I have a podcast called, like you said, Wrestling Nostalgia. I've done it for I don't even know how many years, several years now. Uh, we've done we've done 200 episodes. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of been on hiatus here lately. I kind of, you know, I, like I said, I moved about three years ago to North Carolina. Um, it, it just a lot of things, you know, with the job, you know, the shoot job and everything start, you know, so it kind of been on hiatus and kind of rough here lately. I do intend to bring it back. Um, it's it's kind of had a, a focus on old school type wrestling, primarily Midwest related. I, I like to stick to my Midwest stuff. Uh, sure. I like a lot of these guys we talked about in Bedlam. I've interviewed them. They're on, you know, I have interviews out there on my podcast, you know, the Chris Carters and lots of Jerry Graham Jr. and El Brasaro and, and all these guys. Um, you, you mentioned the hood hangman, I, the original hooded hangman, Rob Weissman. I, I interviewed him before he passed away. Lots of those guys, um, I've talked to, 
and and I so it'll it'll still have a lot of that Midwest flavor. That's what I like, right? That's what I like to support. I don't feel like there's a lot of people out there that are kind of tooting the horn of Midwest wrestling. So uh, in the history, so I like to do it. I mean, the WWA was one of the biggest promotions in the country at one it point. Was absolutely, and, uh, and a lot of people they lose track of that. So you know, I, I try to I try to encourage that. Oh heck, uh, those Sam Meneker shows are great. Oh Sam Meneker, yeah, he's great from the old school. <laughs> rave up jazzy theme at the beginning to yeah bobby heenan the blackjacks sailor r thomas um everybody baron von rashke calypso kid baron von rashke uh ox baker on and on they had everybody yeah i mean yeah i mean people don't understand i mean but you know bruiser created the blackjacks he created you know he created the valiant brothers all these things you know as teams that they they all started in indianapolis and um and uh you know people don't bobby like you said bobby heenan of course and um so a lot of people don't forget. I mean, there's a big impact that Bruiser and the WWE had on wrestling that's kind of forgotten um, over the years. But, uh, you know, and some of it, some of it's, again, Bruiser had an ego <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of times it hurt him a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. but like I said, the, the podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's coming back. Uh, it's still out there. I mean, all the episodes are still out there. I actually have a I have a second podcast I've been doing a lot lately. It's not wrestling related. It's a horror movie related. If anybody's into that, uh, oh, called, so that's what that is. I did I did notice that. Uh, be, yeah, it's uh, called. You have it's a called placard for that. Yeah, it's called Listen to Their Screams. I'm a <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a big horror fan, a horror movie fan. It's right up there with wrestling. It's one of my passions in life. So I've been doing that a lot lately, uh, reviewing movies. But uh, so yeah, I just kind of do what's fun. I, I haven't forgotten wrestling. Um, right. But so, you know, every once in a while, you just got to, at least to me, I have to step back and just kind of catch my breath. It's, it's a lot of times it's overwhelming how much, you know, and, and, you know, in this day and age of over, overexposure and stuff. And it's sometimes you have to catch your breath, but. All right. So I'll ask you the, the million dollar question that every veteran fan and journalist or whatever, or old wrestler, whatever you want to say, what do you think of today's stuff? <laughs> Well, I don't watch much of it. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how many people say that now. Yeah, I, 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 I try. I really do. And, and every so often, you know, it's like I, 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 I follow things online, right? I, I, I read the summaries and stuff, and, and and I key in on certain people I like. Most of the people I like have are very flavored, like old school type wrestling. You know, the FTRs, the MJFs, the the guys like that that I, I kind of pay attention to. I, but as far as why, I just don't. I, every point, I try to watch. I, I try to tune in every now and then. I just, I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel a lot of emotional link to the modern product that I used to. And that's, that's, that's what I was there for. And, uh, and I'm not, I'm not here to put it down or knock anybody that watches it. It is what it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent that every generation, that's the way it is, right? The, the generation before will say the same thing, right? Oh, I can't connect with yeah. the modern stuff. And um, so it is what it is. But, uh, um, you know, it's funny. I don't care if wrestling is glossy like raw. I don't care if it's violent like a lot of AEW. I don't care about bad language. I don't care about blood. I don't care about there's a lot of things people talk about. Now, what I do care about is when the suspension of disbelief takes a backseat to yeah, show business. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really going to hurt in the long I'm telling you, these cinematic matches, this other nonsense they do, yeah. that have very little to do with actual wrestling. Yep. I always say you can watch it and you know, it makes it a show and you can watch a show on Netflix. Yep, it doesn't right. matter. You know, if, if people think it's all just a show to this degree, I think it's really going to be damaging in the long run. I, I can't help but feel that way because I know yeah. what worked for 50 years. Yeah. I'm I mean, I agree. Old, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like a lot of the, the motivations are, 
I feel like a lot of these people lose touch on the, the goals to make money, right? For the company, for the person, the, the, right. the individuals. And I, I don't know. I mean, I understand having enjoyment in your job and doing what you do, but I don't know. It's, it's a job, right? And you want to make money at it. So to do that, sometimes you have to, you have to keep the walls up, right? What we, you know, what used to be called kayfabe. And I understand it's a different era, but you got to try to trick them when you can. Yeah. And, and Ooh, as much yeah. as, as, as much as you can. And, uh, that's, that's, that's how you, that's how you succeed. I learned that and, from Eddie Marlin when I visited Memphis. He respected me, which was amazing. I, I got really some good conversation with Eddie Marlin. And mm-hmm. at the end of two shows, he walked up to me and said, well, did we fool him? <laughs> which to me was a compliment to me because he, he looked at me as knowing the scene, knowing, you know, and I said, yep. you sure did. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, man. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't. You know, it's frustrating to somebody like me. I see this stuff. Yeah, and I actually get soul sick. It's it's like this is not wrestling anymore. Some of nah. it isn't. You know, from a thousand high spots in every match to cinematic matches to scripted jargon. You know, people reading off teleprompters and being told how to act and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just hollow. It's like it, it looks good. It's like a chocolate Easter bunny. It looks good, but it's hollow inside. Yeah. I mean, and there's lots of, it's, it's a lot of little things that bug me. Just some of the approach, I don't know, some of the approaches to backstage interviews and the, the music cues when guys are doing run-ins, it's like it was, like it was planned. It's just stuff like that. Just that irritates me. Right. I mean, I, I'm all about, you know, Hey, let's have high quality cameras and the lighting and I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm good. But if you're coming in to save someone, why is, you know, why is your music queued up? Right. It's, it's little, little things like that kind of irritate me. And, and that's, Part of the reason I can't watch it. Well, because yeah, I cue in could on those. Take, you could take that back a step. Let's picture um, Seth Rollins in a locker room, and here comes his tag team partner, whoever is the edge or whatever, and they're going to talk about strategy in the match. Like, like there's no camera on them. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's, there is that's a camera weird. on them. We're watching. That's how we're watching them. It's yep. bogus. It, it's see through. It's yep. ridiculous. I know that's what wrestling yeah, I mean, worked best when somebody would say stuff to an announcer or an official rather than or do the interviews in the ring or ringside as opposed to backstage. Yep, you know it worked better. Yeah, and I was—I mean, I was hopeful, like with the recent the recent NWA revival I, when they first came out. Oh, and, me too. Or, I'm right on the money with you with that one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it when they were first doing, it. and then it's—I've watched, tried to watch some of that recently, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's it's, it's drifting away too to, for me. It's just not as. I don't know. It's not the same that when they first started doing the studio stuff and I was like, Oh yeah, this is great. This is what I want. Me too. And I, I feel like it's kind of drifted a little more from my like too. I it just, it's hard for me to find a current product that I'm, I really like. I, I still, every occasionally I go to, I'll go to little independent shows and, and things just to, just to get some something, just to oh, get some, some enjoyment. <laughs> that the old feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I, I'm right with you with the NWA, uh, but the pandemic came along and they shut down. Yeah, I think them. I think probably forty percent of the roster in the interim went elsewhere. Yep, moved on, including guys like LA Knight and James Storm, and they had a lot of talent there for a while, it was. for about ten minutes. Yeah, and then when they came back, they started pushing unknowns who have the charisma of a plastic spoon. To be honest with you, as well as you know, everybody looks the same there now. Everybody works well, the same there now. They that, only have a few people left from 2000, you know? Yeah, that's that's business-wide. Everybody seems – there's a lot of people that look the same. I, I miss characters, you know, with uh, the guys that stand out. And 
Although and, they, uh, they do have one fella I'm really enamored with just from his name on down because he looks like an old school brawler. What, Wrecking Ball Ligurski. You got to love that. Yeah, he's You got to love that. That's yeah. so 1970. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah I don't great. know if you've ever seen him, but he's. he's I don't, yeah. Yeah. He's in that. I uh, don't do the fixers thing. Him and. Yeah, uh, the fixers. Yeah. 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 They're good. The one guy, I can't remember what's his partner's name. He, he did a lot of Ohio Valley wrestling there for a while, which I got when I was in Indiana. So mm-hmm. I saw a lot of, I uh, can't remember his name. Oh, Jay, Jay Bradley. That's who it was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So listen, I'm kind of rooting for Billy Corgan, um, but I don't understand. I just saw a headline from him on some website that said, I'm going to book this the way I'm going to book it. And I'm like, well, if people are telling you they're not enjoying it, why are you being headstrong? Yeah. It's odd to me. I I really feel like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a place for someone to give a true alternative, something different, something that's not so modern. And, and I don't, and I'm not necessarily talking about the work and the work rate as much as, you know, the presentation and different things. And I don't feel like anybody's really investing in that. And there, I was, again, I was hopeful when AEW was coming out, right? Me because too. they were, yeah. they, there was that, the whole preaching about, oh, we're going to be a little more sports-based. We're going to feel a little more, li-. and then it's just not. It's, to me, it's, it's, I guess in some degrees it is, but in some degrees it's, it's not. It's, an, I don't know. I don't feel like anybody's truly investing in a vision. I, there's like, there's no big picture in these things. And they just. I don't know. Everything's just fly off the cuff week by week. And it. Yes. AEW reminds me of the waning years of the AWA because they're going to wait to see who shows up that night and then book around it. <laughs> yep. That's what it feels like anyway. I know uh, it's organized, but it doesn't seem like it. No, those shows are fun. <laughs> Watching some of those on ESPN and they, oh, oh heck man. Yeah. that old AWA stuff. Oh, Whew. you know, I just had, I just had a guy named Michael Morsh on the show who was an AWA expert from, from that area. And I'll tell you what, that's the most underrated federation and the most underrated show. The ESPN show had really hot stuff on it. You know, like the Midnight Rockers against Rose and Summers was an incredible match. Henning versus Bockwinkle, Zabisco versus Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff. And all people did was say how bad that show was. But in the meantime, you had the WWF with, you know, Matilda the Bulldog and, you know, the Bushwhackers, hey, you know, I mean, come on, folks. I don't understand. Everybody thought that the WWF was corny, but they lambasted the AWA. So which do you want? I never understood that. No, me neither. Those are great years, though, in the 80s. Because especially like where I lived there in central Indiana. I mean, at that time, you know, I could get still getting bruiser stuff out of Indianapolis, right? And I was, I, but I could get the the Louisville broadcast of, of Memphis stuff, and then of course I was getting WWE, w, uh, NWA, this, that stuff then. But then you know, I mean, again, you had the AWA on ESPN, you had World Class that was out there for a while on ESPN, and uh, all there was just so much out there, and it was, but everything felt different, right? Everything had its own flavor, its own approach. And it didn't all feel the same. And that's what, I mean, I, li- I liked it all for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I was, I would consume anything. Um, but it's now, it's like I turn on something and it, it all feels the same, right? Nothing has its own unique flavor anymore. Right. Uh, I know. It, and, seems, it seems to all be shot out of a cookie cutter somehow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I, that's why I, I miss that, you know? Yeah, I know what I miss. When I was with PWI, we had a lady in Atlanta, Joe Pettacino in the 80s and 90s had a six to eight hour wrestling block every Saturday night. And yeah. she would send us the VHS tapes every week. So yeah. I got to see Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain, Continental, um, Mario Savoldi's thing in the East Coast, um, other federations, a, a little federation in Georgia that was done in the studio. I mean, it was great. 
Yeah. I watched those tapes, everything except the WWE B show that was on that thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. They had an NWA show too, which was a B show. But yeah. The independents that were on there, it was like heaven sent. Because I used to write articles based on what I'd see for those shows. Yeah. yeah. You know, because back then when we were doing the magazines, we could still inform people of territories which were dying, but they were still there. You know, yeah. Memphis too. Memphis was on those tapes. Yeah. So how good was that? I mean, you know, I'm with you. I, I used to enjoy all of it. All of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember, I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, we'd go on vacations, on trips, and, and anywhere we'd go, I, I mean, one of my first things I would do, I don't care what we were there for or what we were doing. One of the first things I would do is, oh, is there any, is there any wrestling on TV in the local area, right? Any, anything small that I could catch while I'm in this area. And, and you know, and then later, like, you know, that grew into tape trading and everything else and, and, and you know, meeting people around the country to, you know, to, to trade stuff with. And, and um, I don't know, I, I, I miss that where it's like, no matter where you went, you could find a little local access wrestling show. And mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, some of them were, of course they were low budget. They were crazy. They were whatever, but they, uh, they were just, they were fun, right? They were enjoyable. Sure. And, um, and I could, I, again, at that time I could watch anything. And I could pick something I liked out of it. Right. There was something that I was like, Oh, that show was, I don't know, but there was that guy or that match or, or that interview. And I don't know. I have trouble relating to that anymore. Well, you know, you know, uh, you go back as far as I do. I remember it's around 1980. VCRs were new, newish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pedro Martinez, who used to run the NWF in Cleveland, yeah, had a library of tapes, and he issued them on VHS. You would pick out what shows you wanted. Yep. And he'd send them to you. And yep. I had never seen the sheet because it was territorial back then. Yeah. So I, I remember filling out my order and just anything that said the sheet on it, I checked and sent <laughs> yeah. away. And it was wasn't cheap. Those tapes weren't cheap back then. No. Uh. And I'll tell you what, it was like being let out of jail because I got to see the territories I was never able to see. And yep. then later on, as people started to trade Japan tapes and Memphis, Memphis tapes got traded a lot. I remember that. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. So it was like getting let out of jail because you didn't have to watch Matilda the Bulldog. You could see, <laughs> you know, New Japan yeah. or, 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 you know, Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher, whatever you wanted to see. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was fortunate too. I mean, my, my parents were always hip on this. They, I mean, we got a VCR pretty early on. We had, you know, an old Betamax. I, so I had one and I was recording everything off TV. Right. And yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, wrestling movies, anything so that I'd have it where I could rewatch it anytime I wanted. And then when the big, the big satellite dishes came into effect, I mean, my parents got one and it was the, the big, I don't know, you know how big they were 10 foot things in the yard that would move. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I would get something like that. And suddenly, you know, I'm scanning through stuff and looking at stuff. And I, I came across Lucha Libre. And I was watching Lucha Libre at an early, or, you know, early on and stuff that I, I mean, I didn't know what it was. And it was weird because, you know, they had octagon rings and these odd rules and different mm-hmm. things. And it, I knew it was wrestling. So I was I was watching it. And um, so, I mean, but it was it was always a mission to seek this stuff out, you know, do that and go to the newsstands and find the magazines and and different things. You know, it's it was like anywhere I went, I was trying to seek out something wrestling related. Right. And um, I would do And when you found it, like on cable, you, you're. I remember the financial news network used to show oldies wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Where is this coming from? Yeah. When I moved to New York area, I'm originally from upstate New York, and I moved to New York City around 81, 82. And I got cable, and all of a sudden, there's the World Wrestling Council on the Spanish Mm -hmm. TV stations. Oh, it was like being let out of jail. I loved it until, of course, the Brody thing. And then I vowed I would never look at it again. I never have. 
Yeah. That thing really yeah, cheesed yeah. me off. I, I, that yeah, yeah. Was, I, I could not cotton to the entire organization after that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I came across ECW when it, when it first started, just sure. scanning through, scanning through the satellite in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and coming across, well, I don't even know what it was. Some, you know, one of those East coast sports channels. Uh, yeah. Probably. I think it was on the MSG network for a while. Yeah. One of those of all and, things at like midnight on Saturday or something, or two o'clock yeah. in the morning, something crazy I, like that. I had no idea what it was. I'm like, what is this? And, I was hooked from there. And that's the same thing. Like you said, the MSG network, the uh, spectrum, I think spectrum was aired on a channel that yeah. stuff out of Philly back in the old WWE, you know, back in the early eighties, well, I was wa- watching all that. That MSG cards were on HBO for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it, cable really opened wrestling up and they all, all the promoters started shitting bricks because they were afraid that it would create, Oh, maybe they'll like this better than our stuff. And we've been promoting here for 30 years, but you can flip your TV <laughs> dial and watch New York. Yep. You know, yep. and that, I know the promoters didn't really know whether, you know, should or go blind because it's it's like anything that was foreign to their fan base, they looked upon as an enemy at that point. Yeah. So it was a really yep. hairy, you know, whoever conquered cable survived. Yeah. And I mean, everybody, you know, everybody always craps on Vince about that, but someone was going to do it. There was going to be, if it wasn't Vince, somebody would have done it. They would have went national. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Bill, I mean, Bill Watts had eyes on it. You know, he was. Yeah, there was, I mean, it was going to happen. I mean, what Southeast, was it Southwestern that was on USA network? Yes, they were. I mean, That's right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, I, Vince has his faults and there's a lot of things he did that I don't like, but I, if we, if we're being real, these promoters would have done it themselves if they'd sure be given the opportunity. <laughs> but I, I give him credit for being successful with it. Cause if you go back yep. to the mid seventies, like I do, um, Eddie Einhorn, the mm-hmm. IWA, he legitimately mm-hmm. wanted to take that national with his, Jack Reynolds and Tex McKenzie and Bulldog Brower and Mil Mascaris and <laughs> Ivan Koloff and Victor yep. Rivera and on it. He, he had a big – and I love that show. I yep. really like that show because the first wrestling show I ever saw was the old NWF. For some reason, they promoted it in Albany, even though they were based in Cleveland. Yeah. But they promoted <laughs> yeah. in Albany, New York, which is where I was. So I got to see Ernie Ladd and the Mongols and Abdullah and people I'd never seen before. And the name of the show was championship wrestling with Johnny powers. Cause he was an investor yeah. or something. You know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that was the first wrestling I ever was a fan of. So when the IWA yeah. came along, they had a very similar vibe to the wrestling. Yeah. Right. So I yeah. love the IWA. I don't know if you've yeah. seen the tapes, but yeah, yeah. I've seen some of it. Yeah. What did you think? Did you find it enjoyable or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, again, there's anything from that. I don't, all of it. I, I like, yeah, I really cannot. Too. I can't say I it's it's yeah it's weird it's you know I mean everybody's got their favorites right and everybody's got the parts that are uh or, or territories or shows or whatever that are nostalgic to them personally right I mean I understand not everybody's going to gush on WWA as much as I would even the bad stuff right because I grew up watching that stuff and uh that was my tune in on Saturday you know Saturday on the weekends and stuff and and I get that but um yeah I, I watched anything and everything that I could get my hands on and I liked it all and then I to me I was a wrestling fan and I would consume everything I could get. And um Yeah, me too. And while I had my favorites, I still I I, I loved it. If there was two guys in in a, in a square ring, I was I was good. Me too. Yep. You know, fans of our age I think are like that. Yeah. And was. you know why? Because wrestling, professional wrestling was a, a flavor that would the flavor didn't really change all that much from New York to Los Angeles to Chicago to wherever to to 
Indianapolis. It was yeah. still pro wrestling and had that vibe to it. The state athletic commissions and the, re- the old referees and, you know, <laughs> the smoky arena with the one clean light over the ring if you went yeah. and saw it live. It, yeah. it all kind of had the same feel. Yep. Um, boy, do I miss it. Me too. <laughs> I miss being a kid, you know, seeing my yep. first matches. And I really miss it. I just miss the vibe. I miss the flavor. I do too. And again, I I know, and it, it, I know it's a so with social media, it's a whole different, whole different thing nowadays. But man, there was there was something so magical about discovering something for the first time, whether it be a show on a channel that you didn't know existed, or a new magazine on the newsstand, or thumbing through those magazines and and, and a talent that you didn't know, or or, or an area that you know you didn't weren't familiar with, and just happening across something. And you know, I mean, like when I was a kid, we'd go to flea markets all the time, and and things, and it, and I stroll through half you know half paying attention but if i found a booth that had a box full of wrestling magazines i mean it's like i hit the lottery and um yeah and um i mean you just can't i don't know you can't recapture that that feeling of of stumbling across something you know and something you're so passionate about dude my first newspaper job i was a newspaper reporter before i started everything else i've ever done and i was in a small town called catskill new york in upstate new york and within walking distance of our office was a old smelly dusty old bookstore that was only open like three hours a week run yeah. by ancient senior citizens and yeah. i swear to god this is true i'm walking down the street one day i look over and i see a a table out in front of the place to the side stacked with wrestling magazines I said, what <laughs> <Yeah>. is this <laughs> and there's a note on the mailbox that says take what you want leave a dollar <laughs> oh wow i took them i took them this was this is 1983, mm-hmm. my wife, she says, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, trust me, there's a reason for this. And, you know, I always had a vibe about wrestling in myself. I used to argue with my parents. It used to be on 11 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. You know, you know what else was going on at 11 o'clock? Church. Church, yeah. <laughs> so they would, I would argue, please let me stay home and watch the wrestling. No, we got to go to church. Are you kidding me? <laughs> After a while, I turned about 14 and they let, they let me do it. They let me stay home. I just, there was something inside of me said, you have to watch this. Yep. You know, the same as a younger adult, I'm farting around in my hometown. I had to buy those magazines. I had to read them all. Yep. I had a vibe I'd be involved somehow. Yep. Even when I was a kid. And yep. it worked out. You know, and for you, you actually got in the ring and put your money where your mouth is and had a bit of a career, right? A little one. Yeah. Yeah. I wrestled uh, five, six, seven years, something like that. Um, And I would, I would have gone longer, but I, I kind of, I had a neck injury. Then uh, I went to a doctor and at that time they, you know, they told me, Hey, if you continue on, it's going to be bad. So I'm like, okay, well I won't, but I yeah, I started out managing. That's, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted, I mean, I wanted to be Jim Cornette when I first started, I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, I, and uh, if you look at those early pictures of me, that's <laughs> clearly what I was modeling myself after. <laughs> and um, and that's all I want to do. And then it got it was one of those deals where it's like, you know, you get a little heat, right? You're the hill manager, and one night they're like, okay, we're going to throw you in a battle royal, right? Because that's going to be a good thing. And and to get you heat, we're going to have you win, right? And then it's like, so you get in there, you do a little bit of it. I'm like, man, I want to do more of this, right? So I would, <laughs> I started training with the guys and getting in there before shows and stuff, and and, and yeah, and I eventually transitioned over and started wrestling. And it was just, it was just small stuff there in the Midwest, right? Lots of, you know, little promotions, you know, all over the Midwest, Indiana. I went, you know, Chicago a few times, things like that, but nothing major. And, um, but it, I didn't care. I didn't care if there was five people and I, and I wrestled shows with just <laughs> five people and, you know, and whatever else I didn't care. It was, it was a rush and I was, it was, it was so much fun. And, um, 
I never had aspirations that it was going to be anything huge. But again, I was I was your weekend warrior guy, right? At that time, and um, and it was it was a different era, right? I was making videotapes and sending them out these little promotions, trying to get <laughs> booked on little little crap shows in the Midwest, and it was a totally different thing than now. But uh, and then, when, like I said, when my neck when my neck happened and I and I couldn't really do anything, and I I thought about switching back to management. I, thought, I can't I can't take anything, right? I can't take a bump. I can't do anything. What's the point? I thought, well, I'm gonna start running my own shows. And I'm gonna stay involved, and and I did. I ran shows in the town. I've I've done that many times over the years for stretches, um, and and I really I really like that. I I really like being on that creative side, but it's it's just so much work. Yeah, you know, it's such a such a commitment that you know it's and it's a it's such a fickle fickle business. No, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it got to the point where it's like, okay, I need to I need to step out, and uh, and then I thought, well, but I I don't want to I don't want to get out of the business completely, right? I want to stay. I'm going to stay tied to risk. I want to stay involved. And that's when I thought, well, I'm going to switch over. I like to talk. I like to tell stories. I like to, you know, hear people's stories. Well, I'm going I'm to do this podcasting thing. And, and I, and I feel like that's kind of my niche. I really, I really enjoy it. I really, and you say, you say you're up to over 200 episodes at this point. Well, we've done 200. Yeah. We just did that's, the 200th a few months ago. Remar- that's remarkable. Nice job, man. I, yeah. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I love it. It's, it's fun. And then, you know, you, what you try to get direction. When we first started, we didn't have direction, right? I was just doing whatever. Uh, anybody I could talk to, I was just doing whatever. And then I thought, you know what? It, it's kind of swings back to that WWA bruiser battle. I'm like no one knows of these guys, right? right. The, people aren't familiar enough. I'm going to interview these guys, right? I'm going to talk to these guys and let them tell their stories and try to get them some exposure. And and so that's when I, that's what I kind of do. That's where I, I kind of became known as the, the, you know, the WWA guy, the WWA podcast. <laughs> and that's why I want to thank you <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. You, you opened up, a new, you know, wrestling federation I had no access to before this. If it wasn't yeah. for your posted videos and your podcast, I never would have heard of this stuff. And yeah. I worked for a wrestling magazine. We just didn't cover them. Yep. That's, yeah. And so, and, and then to be able to contact Terry Sullivan, who came on the show gladly, and I said, listen, you guys really did good work. And he was very appreciative of that. And yeah. the thing that him and uh, – Dave Drayson are doing on YouTube also those, oh, yeah, those little biography shows. Yeah, those are great. They're fantastic. Yeah, those See, are. I mean, they're both great guys. They are so good, and uh, and it's guys like that that help me. You know, it's it's. I mean, I you know, I'd beat these guys and I talk to them, and I'm, they're like, oh, everybody was always, oh, you should talk to this guy, right? Talk to this, and I'm like, oh, well, how do I get? You know, where's he at? How do I get in touch with him? And, and it was just, it's just you know, a network started right where it's, I'd interview someone and they'd put me in touch with other guys, and and eventually, you know, it's. It's just how it kind of grew, and and every I mean they're all so helpful, right? All these guys that were that were knee deep in the trenches of the WWA and, and Bedlam and all you know, and Drayson in the in the in Detroit and different things. Um, I mean they're all so helpful, right? Because they're they they had the same mindset, right? This is good stuff that no one, not enough people know about, and people should right. pay a little more attention to it. And uh, so it's kind of like a, the, the army are trying to trying to get some exposure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, they're keeping the spirit alive. You're keeping the spirit alive. And I want to say thank you. And I want to direct people to what you're doing all the time. That's why yeah. I wanted to have you on the show. You say the podcast is going to come back soon. I certainly hope it does. Yep. How can people get a hold of you uh, on Facebook and other areas like that? Um, well, I mean, if you look up Dave Dynasty, I'm out there. But I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. If you look up Dave Dynasty, I'm on Facebook. If you look up, uh, I'm on Twitter at the Dave Dynasty, um, and you can look up Wrestling Nostalgia. I have pages and Twitter accounts for all that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go on YouTube, if you just look up Nostalgic Dave Dynasty, my channel comes up. If you look up WWA, typically ninety percent of what comes up at the top is going to be me anyway. Right. Um, 
um, yeah, just, you know, you subscribe. I'm, I, I, I don't have a timeline. I do. I have more bedlam tapes. They're sitting right over here by me as we record this. I have, okay. I mean, these are, these are, I mean, these are TV tapes. Uh, these are, uh, the, uh, <laughs> fans can't see, but I'm rubbing my hands together in anticipation that they get digitized. Yeah. I mean, these are, <laughs> yeah, these are the old, the old UTEP, UTEC, you know, cartridge tapes that were delivered to the TV stations. And, um, at some point, the problem is finding, I got to find someone that's got a UTEC player, a UMATIC right. player yeah. uh, to, uh, to convert these. And, and I'm looking and, and I'm working on it, but they're, yeah, they're all going to get, I'm going to convert them and, uh, get them up. So it'll be sh- hopefully more episodes. And fill in some of the gaps in, my, in what I have, but uh, I'm the, easy. I'm easy to find. One of the great shames of the territory days is those UTEC tapes, like you're talking about. That yeah. one, you know, the broadcast tapes. Yeah. So many of the smaller organizations would get the tapes back and tape over them. Yeah, yeah. That was that Pedro Martinez once said. That's the great sadness that he had because they didn't save the tapes. They would just tape over them. That entire Cleveland and uh, Buffalo. Yep. They had some amazing TV shows hosted by Jack Reynolds and Ron Martinez, and they're all gone. They were all gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it saved the money to tape over those cartridges again. Yeah. And I mean, they had, yeah, they had no, no point of reference in knowing these things had value at that time because they didn't at that time. And uh, I mean, who could have foresaw that someday, oh, there'd be streaming services and, and whatever DVDs before that and everything else that, you know, where you could have a resurgence and make some more money off. No one thought that, you know, you couldn't foresee that. And um, they were just trying to put that weekly show out there to advertise to get people into the arenas, mm-hmm. and uh, they they had no idea. And if my they could save a few bucks yeah. by taping over, the whole idea of wrestling TV was to get you go to the arena and buy a ticket. That was yep. the whole thing in those days. Yep. But uh, uh, so that's why you know, and I'm that's why anybody I, I'm I'm constantly on social media, and anybody I see it comments on something, that, oh, I was at this show, or I remember that. I, I bug so many people. I'm like, oh, hey, were you a fan? You know, hey, you didn't happen to record anything off. T- I'm always looking. Trying to yeah. find something because you know not, I, that's not bugging, that's entertaining. Dude. You know that's <laughs> yeah. that's what we want. You know that's what we want. Yeah. We, we have a community here. Yeah, I don't want this community as we age to evaporate. I I want to bring it to the forefront in any little way I can. Yeah, my ratings are pretty good with the podcast. I'm shockingly good sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> you know what it's like. You know what I had I had another podcast who tell me don't look at the ratings. Nah, I said I why? He said well first of all you're a niche within a niche. You're yeah. not talking about SummerSlam results. You're talking about Spaceman Frank Hickey and Baron Mikel Cicluna. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's not exactly what the teenagers want to listen to, you know? Yep. But he, but the other thing he said was, you know what? They were inaccurate all the time. The yeah. ratings are totally inaccurate. And he explained why. I'm not going to be candid here. But yeah. I said, yeah, I'm not going to waste good time checking out the stats every week and all that other stuff. Nah. If, if I'm told that people are listening, that's good enough. And I, I know what I know the numbers I get from my host. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, I've I've always I've always held the thing, you know, it's like, you know what? I want to hear these people tell these stories and I want to get them. I want to get them documented in a format where they're out there forever, essentially. Right. Where it's before, you know, because a lot of these, you know, these guys are they're not going to be with us much longer. So I want them to get to tell their side, tell their stories, you know, document their careers a little bit. And if people listen, great. If they don't. okay, whatever. I I mean, (laughs) I just I I do it because it's, it's a preservation to me. And it's, right uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's remembering, you know, this time. And I, I feel like it's important. I feel like it's important work. And, it is um, important. And it's especially yeah. important now where, you know, a superstar Graham dies, a Jerry Jarrett dies, the forefathers, the people who are really, really into the old school psychology and how to present a card and wrestling, yep. wrestling, how to build a feud, all that stuff. Those leaders 
are evaporating now, like we're talking about. And yep. we can't allow their lost to let them be forgotten. Yeah, you it's know, wildly- we need We need as many veterans we can to keep talking. Like anytime I hear a crowbar or Al Snow talk about wrestling safely and referring to the, the forefathers of wrestling, it thrills me. Yeah, right. They're being responsible and they're being professional. That's the word, professional yeah. wrestling. Yeah. It breaks my, there's so many of these guys when I reach out to them, it's like, at first they're, they're, they're hesitant to talk because they're like, oh, nobody cares. Nobody wants to, I'm like, yeah, they do. You're, yeah, you'd be do. surprised. There, there are people out there who remember you. And uh, if they don't remember you, then that's fine. Let's introduce you, right? Let's, let's tell them about you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so it always breaks my heart when these guys that did so much, when they say stuff like that, because it, it's hard to convince them of their worth. Right. And, 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 and that's, so that's what I try to do. Right. I try to tell them that, you know what, it's, there are people that want to hear about you and want to hear your story and, and do remember you. You'd be very, very surprised. You're so, uh, right. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. So it's, I want to say, I want to say before we sign off the same thing about you, you are keeping the spirit alive. You're doing a fantastic job. I want people you. to check out your YouTube, check out your Facebook, get to know Dave dynasty here. Cause you know, he's one of the, he's one of the really influential people in professional wrestling right now in keeping the old vibe alive. Yeah. And I can't thank you enough because I learned from you. And if an old fart like me can <laughs> learn from you, anybody can. Yeah. So and I'm, again, I, I just want to thank you. Yeah. And I'm, and again, I'm all about passing it on. I get, you know, I get younger fans who all the time will message me, ask me, I'm, you know what, if I'll, I'll, I'll talk to anybody, right. I don't, don't be afraid to reach out to me and, and chat. I love to chat wrestling. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm open. So. Yeah, me too. And you know, I just I just talking later in the show. I'm going to talk about a letter I got from somebody who thinks I'm terrible. Fine, <laughs> that's that's great. You know, yep. it's like you know, spell my name right. You know, it's, it's, it's an easy name to spell. You know, but but seriously, uh, I want to know if it's good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care, and I want to talk about the old school wrestling. Like yep. you say on Facebook, you know, somebody will bring up um, you know, Chris Carter or somebody like that, and mm-hmm. they'll go, "Oh yeah, I remember him when he turned heel." Wow! And then you start to exchange memories, and the years melt off of you. The next thing you know. You're a young person watching that black and white TV, enjoying those matches. Yep. What's better than this? I mean, it's yep. it's talking to you. I feel like I'm 25. Yep. You know, it, I mean, it's like it has that effect on you. Yep. No, that's absolutely. That's what you said about watching the current. I don't watch current. I don't get excited about it, but talking about this stuff, I do. Right. I feel that. I feel that nostalgia, and I feel that 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 love that was there. It's been there for whatever 40 years or however long it's been uh, for this sport, and uh, that's way that's way that's how that's how I stay uh, in touch with it. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been proud, legitimately proud to have Dave Dynasty on this podcast. Find him on YouTube. Find him on Facebook. Follow this man. He's got more tricks up his sleeve. I can smell it. I think the <laughs> best is yet to come from Dave Dynasty. Dave, I can't yep. thank you enough, man. No, no, no. It's all my pleasure. Boy, I hope we had as much fun uh, listening to that interview as I did doing it. What a blast. Dave Dynasty, everybody. What more can I say? Check him out on YouTube. Check him out on his podcast. Check him out. He deserves your attention. In any event, um, I, I want to explain one more thing before I sign off for this episode. Um, I got a letter from somebody, and I'm going to let them remain anonymous because they didn't want their name used on the air. But they, 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 they took issue with me for being what they called in the letter, quote, Joe Happy. And not pointing out the flaws with professional wrestling, the problems, the controversies, on and on. 
let me explain this one more time for people who are just checking out the show now. This is not a wrestling news show. I would suggest you look up Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller and the real journalists of professional wrestling for that kind of thing. This is also not usually a show that looks at current professional wrestling at all. I know wrestling is problematic at times. I know it's had its problems through the decades. That's not what this show is about. All of us love wrestling or we wouldn't be talking about it in the 800 wrestling podcasts there are out there. We just love it. I loved it as a kid, as a child even. That feeling is what I'm trying to convey now as an older person. Because I'm finding out week after week, our numbers go up, and I'm finding out there's a lot of other people who feel like I do, who are nostalgic for the old days, or older wrestling from the 60s through the 90s, even the 2000s and 2010s. It's changed a lot. Whether it's good or worse, that's up to you. You're the consumer. You have a right to make your own choices and all this stuff. All I want to say is this. I want this podcast to be fun, plain fun. There's no ulterior motive other than that. Uh, every time I do an interview on this show and I bring back some old friends of mine, I, I feel like the years melt off of me every time we talk. So again, this podcast is all about fun. If you don't want to have fun, don't tune in. Thank you for writing, but you know what? I don't understand the rancor that was in the email I got. But you know what? That's why I tell people to write. Say anything you want to say, whether you love the show or you hate it or you think I'm doing something wrong or you think I'm doing something right. I don't mind hearing it at all. So thank you for writing regardless. Write to us at outdated um, outdatedwrestlinghour.buzzsprout.com where you can listen to the show right on the site without having to go to an app. I'm now Bob Smith. I've changed my name on Facebook. It used to be Robert Smith. Now it's Bob Smith, a little easier to find. If you're wondering which Bob Smith it is, I'm the one singing with Baby King, baby. You know what I'm talking about. Twitter, I'm Bob Smith NYC. Write to us, get a hold of us. Please keep listening to us. We appreciate the numbers we've been getting. As I've said before, if I never get more successful than this, I'm, I'm happy. This has been a wonderful experience stepping out of my own doing this, and I hope to be doing it for a long time to come. In honor of Dave Dynasty, I'm going to quote Dick the Bruiser from way back. I don't remember why I saw this quote, but I know I heard him say it. The Crusher is the best partner a man could have. Mm-hmm.